0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to our podcast. Welcome to the writing glitch, Dysgraphia discussion, episode 001. Our topic today is what is Dysgraphia? We will also be joined by Sabrina Schaefer. She is an occupational therapist assistant from Arizona. She is going to provide insights about Sherry's course included in the amethyst level of the writing glitch. Sherry, are you ready to get started?
1: Yes, I'm ready.
0: Sabrina, how are you today?
2: Feeling fabulous.
0: (laughs) Great. Today, we want to answer the question, what is dysgraphia? And I understand that you presented your case study for the Dodderer dysgraphia method. Before you talk about your experience, can you share your definition of dysgraphia before taking the course and now that the course has finished?
2: Sure. Before I took the course, I just thought that dysgraphia was having a hard time writing letters or forming letters backwards or writing above the line, through the line, under the line, just basically having challenges with writing. And now that I have taken the Dysdaughter program for dysgraphia, I know that it's much more than just the written component that students are struggling with. It's, as her book is titled, The Mind-Body Disconnect. And so that is really what I learned a lot more about in more depth as I read through the book and as I also went through the program. After taking the program, I realized that there are several different types of dysgraphia. So there's the motor dysgraphia, there's memory dysgraphia, There's the visual perceptual dysgraphia. There's also word and sentence dysgraphia, and those are in the the writing part of the pyramid. And there's also paragraph dysgraphia. So just having a hard time basically in all of written expression, being able to get the thoughts from your mind through the brain, through your hand, and onto the paper.
0: Wow, that was a really thorough definition. I can tell you really liked the course and got a, a lot out of it. Sherry, what's your definition?
1: I would say that when I started my path on understanding dysgraphia, my biggest thing was I was mixing it up with executive function skills. Would you say that was something that you also felt, Sabrina, that you were really misunderstanding the difference?
2: Yes. Yes
1: more I researched it, I discovered that the executive function skills are more related to the attention deficit disorder. And this was graphia is, it's more of the language-based issue. And what it says in the DSM-5 is it's grammar, punctuation, capitalization, spelling, sentence structure, paragraph organization. So it really is a... Summary of the language features of the written word. And it had nothing to do with letter formation and motor function and visual perceptual things. And so it really, when you look at the definition, it really got confusing at first until I really dove into it. And when I created the interventions for dysgraphia, I used the sensory motor approach to create those foundational skills. And I think for many occupational therapists, that has been a light bulb. Would you agree there, Sabrina?
2: Yeah, that was definitely a key part of the program that I enjoyed learning more about.
0: Sabrina, speaking of interventions, what intervention strategy did you find most interesting?
2: There were actually quite a few that we talked about, both during our meetings that we would have during the program, and there are some in the book. The ones that I find the most beneficial are like the multisensory thing, but that overwhelmingly was something that the kids would remember more, whether they had ADHD symptoms along with a written expression challenge or if it was just that they needed to have some movement before they could focus, getting the motor movement with, I would do an obstacle course, or I know there's some other strategies that Sherry mentioned, some warm-up strategies that I only got to implement a few times because by then it was the end of the school year. But going into the next school year, then I can start off from day one teaching the kids and demonstrating for the teachers and resource teachers how to do these things and why they're important. So it's not just something that I'm telling them, but why give them some foundational information as well.
1: You shared some things that you were doing with your case study. Without sharing a whole lot of details about the student themselves, tell us a little bit about what you did There, and I know this is all auditory, so you're going to have to describe those details as to what they were doing and what the result of that intervention was.
2: Okay. One of the things I would do is with this particular kiddo, actually with many of my kiddos, what I would do is I would have them practice the letter, forming a letter or even writing a short word like "ca." with their eyes open, with correct letter formation, and then with their eyes closed. So say we're working on the letter A instead of a circle and a stick, I would have them form it the way that I would say, curve around, close it up, down to the line, and I would show them, I would be singing it, sing-songy, while they're doing it and while I'm doing it, so they're hearing it, seeing it, feeling it, and then I have them do it with their eyes closed. And that was one thing that over time, the students were remembering more and more. So that was, that's one thing that I did. And also this particular student, instead of having him sitting at the table, I allowed him to stand at the dry erase board or tall nail at the dry erase board, or he could be laying on the floor in prone position and writing with a dry erase board on the floor. many different positions and he stayed engaged much more so than I'll do this for two seconds and then I'm done.
1: Can I pause you there just for a moment? I just want to share with our listeners something that she said. Sabrina, you said kneel standing at the board or laying prone. Jan, do you know what prone means? Uh, I think so. means laying flat down <laughs> like you're laying down on a board almost. It means laying face down. And the opposite of that is supine, which is face up. When Sabrina was talking about that, she was talking about having that child lay on their belly, face down on the floor so that they were then utilizing, I would imagine some kind of hard surface in front of them, whether it be like a tile floor or the vinyl floor or something on that line that they were writing on. And then you were also talking about dry erase working on a vertical surface. If you think about it, whether the child is laying prone on the floor or standing, the way that they have to position their arms to right is pretty much the same. One of the things that
2: I also appreciated about students laying prone or laying on their belly is it also has them putting their upper body strength They're getting more stability through their upper body, and especially ones that are still using their arm to form letters it forces them to do more movement at the wrist or at the fingers to really get that refined, fine motor skill.
1: One of the things that is happening with that is they don't have to use as much tenodesis, which means pulling their wrist back into a position that makes their thumb through their forearm be a straight line. When they're on the board, they can give a little bit less of a pullback on their wrist. So it's a little bit easier to write if your wrist isn't pulled back. But you really do need that wrist pulled back to write effectively.
0: I have a question, especially for our listeners who are only getting the benefit of listening to us and have to picture it. When a kiddo is in a prone position, are they up on their elbows or completely flat on their belly? On their elbows. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Hence why it's easier for them not to have to pull their wrist
1: back. That makes a lot of sense. Before you move on and ask another question, Jan, I just want to insert a little tidbit here is sometimes you need to put a bolster, a pillow, or some kind of elevating device under their chest to give them support because they just don't have enough strength in their upper body to create that arch in their back to lift their head up. Sometimes you need to do that as well. Makes yes. sense.
2: And I would just add just another tidbit onto your tidbit is sometimes when I know that the student has a weak core, then I'll have them do the position longer periods of time. So we'll start out maybe 10 seconds, depending on how long they can hold it or how long they're comfortable, and then build on that so that it doesn't become a negative. I don't want to do it. It makes my back hurt. Let's the support with the pillow, or let's just do this for three letters. And then you can change position and you get to choose a position. Which one do you want to do to make it fun for them They stay engaged that way?
0: Love that. Love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it sounds neat. It sounds like there's just so much involved here. Overall, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from the course?
2: I'd say there were many big takeaways, but I think for me, one of the biggest takeaways was having a greater understanding of what dysgraphia is to help me understand my students better. And also that if it seems like they have good, fine motor skills, but they're having challenges in other areas, they're lacking in visual perceptual skills? What are some strategies that I can do to specifically work on those areas? That's one of the big takeaways. Another one is just thinking about how everything is connected. If we're not sleeping well at night, then the things that we learn during the day don't have a chance to be put from short-term memory to long-term memory. And so when it seems like, Man, we just went over this yesterday, or we went over this last week, and we've been doing it every week for the past month, How come they're not remembering? It's, okay, take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Is the student sleeping well? Are they eating well? What are some other things that might be going on? Ways that I can support them or connect with the resource teacher and ask her, hey, have you noticed some of these things too? Those are some of the big takeaways. For me, it's just more a depth of understanding.
0: It certainly sounds like it. And your insights are just incredible, particularly about what's going on, asking that question, delving further into what's really going on in the student's life. Sherry, you've created the dysgraphia warm-up protocol. Can you please describe it and share how Sabrina could use that with a couple of those interventions she just described to us?
1: Absolutely. Sabrina, you just got exposed to this for the first time when you did your case study. You talked a lot about writing on the board and writing on that vertical surface and making the A. The consistency of the actual motion is one of the things that a whole classroom could do. If they're really taking on the letter A that week, the teacher could create five different ways throughout the week that they are creating the letter A without putting a pencil in their hand. It could be that you're putting both hands together and creating the A before they go to sit down to write, especially if they're going to be practicing writing that letter A. It could be that they are walking out the letter A as if they were tracing tape on the floor, maybe using a flashlight and writing the A on the wall. Even if you're doing a whole classroom activity, there's three out of the five days practicing the letter A. Now, earlier I said that I was really looking at spelling. We could even use the body sentence alphabet to spell the word cat or spell the word enough I like to utilize the word enough because it's not spelled the way it sounds. I use both hands and I point to my eyes, my nose, my open mouth, under my chin. I reach out to give a handshake and then I do a high five. I'm creating a sentence out of the motions that I've been using. If you have a spelling word of enough, You could utilize those motions to help the kids with spelling. And before they go to sit down to write, you could practice it using both arms. Ultimately, it'll be great if they could verbalize the motion and not be able to actually do the motion when they go to actually write it. It's funny. You can actually see them going through the motions as they're trying to spell it. It's really adorable. Those are some of the things that you could utilize with the dysgraphia warm-up protocol. The protocol is a 15-day cycle that you can repeat 12 times throughout a school year for your 180 days and encompasses all the visual perception, visual motor, and memory support strategies to help a student prepare for writing activities. I also believe it will help with reading as well. That's fantastic. I actually think we're running out of time
0: today. So thank you so much for that great description. And thank you, Sabrina, for joining us today.
2: I just have one question, if I can. Did you say 30 seconds to do the warm up? Okay, 30 seconds. That's so doable in the classroom setting.
1: Yeah, it's so amazing that 30 seconds can change a child's life so much. Thank you very much for coming on today, Sabrina. I appreciate this. You start school next week,
2: the twenty seventh of July. Yeah,
1: twenty seventh of July. We are recording this in the middle of July of twenty twenty two. Anybody who's listening this in the future, understand that Sabrina is planning on using this this dysgraphia warm up protocol as she goes back into the schools, and she's going to also be teaching the teachers how to incorporate this into their lesson planning. This is really geared to be a whole classroom activity, not just being pulled out with the students that were are teaching in occupational therapy.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day.
1: Thank you, Sabrina. This is Sherry from The Writing Glitch. And
0: this is Jan. And here at The Writing Glitch, we believe that if you desire a classroom or business of people who can read, write, and do math proficiently, understanding dysgraphia is essential to life success. Our dream is to bring dysgraphia awareness, empathy, and responsibility to every home. Thanks for joining us.